Hey y'all, I'm Melanie. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Old North State Podcast. We're bringing you on a deep dive into all things North Carolina. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Good morning. And good afternoon for the very final episode of the Old North State Podcast. We say final because last week we said we had a few more episodes in us. And then uh, our girl decided to arrive early. (laughs) Well, she hasn't arrived yet. Yeah, she has not arrived yet. And she won't by the time this podcast comes out. But she is arriving a few weeks early per the doctors. Yeah. Whether it be naturally or supernaturally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, but we did not have as much time as we thought we were going to. Yeah. So it is our final episode, and we've come to terms with that. I'm sure you guys will be fine as well. It is still very special. We're going to be talking about some uh, stories from the Outer Banks area. As mm-hmm. some of y'all may recall, we just had our vacation out there two great. months ago. Yeah. Um, so that Thank is God that what was two months ago. It was two months ago. <laughs> Um, So that is what this episode is inspired by. Before we get into it, anything you want to discuss? No. Cool. (laughs) Sorry. That's fine. Spooky season just came to an end. It was very exciting. A lot of cool stuff happened. Oh, apologies for last episode. There was a few moments where um, audio skipped over like five seconds or so. Um, Nothing too crazy was missed. Everything still makes sense. But uh, it may happen again. We'll never know. It's my computer. Yeah, it's Sorry. Old. We we don't get paid for this. Yep. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so without further ado, five stories from the Outer Banks. Number are these, one. Are these five stories or five spooky stories? I mean, Mama always said spooky is as spooky does. Okay. Um, so that's subjective. There are interesting tales of the supernatural folklore if you will folklore i'm a i'm a local folklorist you are um, officially officially they allowed me to give myself a title when i went on to the clt today show and even though i made a twitter poll about it and gave people the option <laughs> of and people the people voted for spooky dude um <laughs> but i chose local folklorist and now uh now it's it's written the stone. I am officially a local folklorist, and no one can take that from me. And but the Charlotte Observer called you a spooky expert. A uh, resident spooky expert. Resident spooky expert. It was more of like a resident, a resident, and no, it was resident and spooky expert. <laughs> but I'm taking it as like resident spooky expert, as of in course. I'm the one in house. Um, okay. The, the the only one. Um, one of them. Well, it's me, Tina, and Cher yeah. at this point. That's true, yeah. <laughs> All right, so the Cora tree. I'll tell the tale, and we'll discuss how okay. it was when we went out there. Cool. So, <laughs> as the story goes, in the early 1700s, a woman named Cora arrived in Frisco, North Carolina, with her baby. She built her own hut and mostly kept to herself. Townsfolk did not take kindly to her, and 
did not take kindly to her and her child, and rumors started almost instantly. The Salem witch trials were happening around this time, so some comparisons were made, and people started blaming local issues on her. Specifically, she had touched a cow, who days later stopped producing milk. A local boy had fallen ill after he was seen making fun of the woman and her baby. And when the rest of the town was struggling for food and fish, she was mostly self-sufficient. All those things scream witchcraft. She's a witch! The torment was mostly verbal until Captain Eli Blood came to town. Captain Eli Blood was a native of Salem, Massachusetts, and titled himself as a witch hunter. He instantly made a name for himself in town and listened to locals to find a scapegoat that he could use to gain popularity as well as sell his, in quotations, witch hunting brochures. Days after the captain's arrival, a man washed up on the beach whose hands were fixed together as if he was praying and 666 carved into his head. The captain claimed to have seen footprints leading to Cora's hut and immediately blamed the man's death on her and her witchcraft. The captain gathered the townsfolk and incited a mob claiming that Cora had to be tested for being a witch and brought to trial. The mob broke into her house, kidnapped her and her baby. They took them to the middle of the town near an old oak tree to perform his first test. Captain took out his knife and tried to cut her hair, but couldn't, claiming it was stronger than rope. Next, he bound... Go back and think about the things that I just said. He tried to cut her hair, but couldn't, claiming it was stronger than rope, something that rope could be cut by a knife. Um... Sounds like he just had a dull knife. Sounds like he had a dull knife or wasn't trying hard enough. Yeah. Um, and then they pushed her into the water, bound her, and she floated. Did people not swim? I mean, all she had to do was um, take a deep breath. And then and just float to the bottom. Yeah, babies and... know how to float. Yeah. Um, like, but people had to have, like, swam back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like on the that, same page. that logic never made sense it, to me. I agree. It's one of those things where either she drowns and problem solved or, you know, she doesn't it, drown. And, and they still kill her. And they still kill her. Um, and then the third off, which I think is the most fun, is they have a ceremonial bowl, which they put blood. The mob prepared a fire as they intended to burn Cora and her baby alive. But as they did, the skies opened, thunder clapped, and a strike of lightning struck the tree. Cora and her baby had disappeared. And only left, or the only thing that was left was a splinter tree with the name Cora, squirt, C-R-O-A-T-O-A-N. And over yeah, here we have C-O-R-A. That's probably honestly what happened. I, I mean, I love this story, and I think it's interesting. Um, the, the guy, Arcane Carolina is another fantastic podcast, if you're into this stuff, did an episode about it. And they theorized that this whole story is made up, and that... Just a local person try, like started to carve croatone into the tree, screwed up. And they tried <laughs> to make up for it. <laughs> Just left it there. It continued as the tree grew. Um, and now, like, the, the guy who came up with this whole Korra story, it was more of, like, a... Um, they, they traced it back to this one, like, the guy who wrote the book. And I'm blanking on the name now, but we have one of them upstairs. Um, but he did it in honor of his friends, whose name was Cora. Um, and I got a she cousin had, like, named a Cora. Yeah? That's nice. I don't think I've ever met her. That's fine. <laughs> um, so that is 
the Cora tree. We visited. We did visit. We did visit um, when we were on our way to Hatteras. Hatteras. Well, this um, was after we went to Hatteras. Yeah, it was a a rainy day, kind of. When we went over there, it was sun showering. Yeah. Um, it's a big, thick tree in the middle of a residential neighborhood, right in like the median. Um, there is a hole in the tree where people have left offerings, which is pretty much yeah. just like you know whatever garbage they had on them at the time. It looks like a like what people do for fairies. Exactly. Um, a lot I'm, of sparkly stuff. A lot of sparkly a lot of stuff. Candles and yeah, miscellaneous items. Exactly. Um, but overall, it's great. And it's a fun little story that connects the Outer Banks to the Salem Witch Trials, which I think is a fun yeah. fun thing for people. And our Lost Colony t-shirts. And our Lost Colony t-shirts. Um, well, mine. You have the Cora one. I do have the Cora. And so there's this brewery in Manio. Yes. Called the Lost Colony Brewery. And it's like a you know regular restaurant pub. And it's good. We had beer there. That was nice. But you they... had beer there. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just sat there with my yeah. cup of water. <laughs> um, but the owner of it has really taken local legends to heart, which is something that I admire because it's kind of like what I'm trying to do with Charlotte. And they've made these like kick-ass shirts that go along with local legends. We bought you the Cora tree one. It has yeah. a, like a witch with a tree wrapped around her and it has the black cat, which is her baby in it. Um, I bought one that is based on um, the story of Nag's head, which we learned a nag is a horse. Um, we did learn that. Learned a lot about nags. We did. And the story is that they would like attach a lantern to um, a horse, bring them over back and forth over ridges in the outer banks, which would signal to boats that there was a lighthouse um, when there wasn't, which would cause them to crash. And then, you know, locals could loot the loot the booty. Um, so local Lost Colony Brewery, if you're ever in an Outer Banks or Manio, go check them out. Yeah, they have a store, too, that's pretty new. Or it was new when we, op when yeah. we got there. They had, like, just opened it. Um, the next story is actually another one of their shirts that was on yeah. there. And also, you can drink open carry in Manio. Visionaries. Right. Um, that, just, just throwing it out there. Yeah. If you like that sort of thing, you can do that in Manio. Yeah, we loved Manio. All right, you ready for the next one? Another point. Uh, that's where they should have filmed Outer Banks. 100%. But I will keep that tiff to myself. That's okay. <laughs> I think we all agree with you. So when we were in town, one of the things that we saw constantly is Kill Devil Hills. Yes, kill those devils. And there's a there's a little story along with it. So why is a town in the Outer Banks called Kill Devil Hills? There are a few theories, but the most fantastical is a story of a banker who had a crossroads situation with the devil. Yeah, everyone's familiar with the cross devil at the crossroads. Crossroads? Win the hearts of America. Huh. And there's songs about I, it. I guess it's probably why he died on the toilet. Could have died anywhere else. Could have died anywhere else. Anyways, so um, the crossroads situation between a devil and a banker. The devil tried to take advantage of a banker and granted him one wish of whatever he wanted in exchange for the banker's soul. 
The banker knew a bad deal when he saw one, so he told the devil instead that he would challenge him to a contest and he would get the wish if he had won the contest. The devil agreed. The banker had some rum on him that he had found earlier buried in sand dunes and asked the devil to a drinking contest of this rum. <laughs> the devil was confident and accepted. And well, as you can imagine, from the name of the story, the devil didn't make it out of the contest and he was the first one to pass out. The banker is said to have buried the devil in the sand dunes and to continue his travels with his soul intact. Not sure if he even got his wish. Um, spooky, right? Very spooky. The, so, yeah. So, but for real, in this early 1700, Virginia's William Byrd wrote, in quotations, most of the rum that they get in this country is so bad and unwholesome that it is improperly called Kill Devil. So this proves that the rum is already referred to by this name. Evidence suggests that the rum would have been would have made its way to the Outer Bank shores. It, right. People would find them in the banks because, you know, constantly moving. Um, they were drinking this rum, and I think some Smart. people were not, you know, passing out and the typical yeah. dying and whatnot. Um, really? So I'm sure that the... <laughs> the this story comes from the name Kill Devil already mm -hmm. put, put in place. And I don't care because I like the story anyways. <laughs> Another possible explanation for how the name Kill Devil Hills originated comes from the local Killdeer bird. The area was so popular that it named the nickname Killdeer Hills. With differences in dialect as the name was repeated both orally and on paper, this could easily have transitions over time to Kill Devil eventually becoming Kill Devil Hills. Huh. A final explanation comes from the infamous coastline surrounding the Barrier Islands. Wait, you said that was a bird? Yeah. A bird that could kill deer? I think it was just named Kill Deer. Well, I had to name it that way for a reason. I mean, hawks can kill baby deer for sure. That's true. A final explanation comes from the infamous coastline surrounding the Barrier Islands named... Well, I'm you sorry. know, well known as being extremely <laughs> treacherous waters to navigate. One article from the American Beacon, a Norfolk based journal in 1851, stated that there is a range of sand hills called Kill Devil Hills, not because of its satanic majesty was there disposed of, but because sailors say it is enough to kill the devil to navigate this part of the sound. Although maps do show the town was already referred to as Kill Devil Hills at the time of the publication, this could provide the reason why. They're talking about, you know, Graveyard of the Atlantic, of course. Uh. So overall, we do not know why it's called Kill Devil Hills. I wonder if it had anything to do with them seeing Jockey's Ridge. Yeah. My yeah. theory is it's that like the... It's like a desert in the middle of... An island. <laughs> That's true. That I mean, that is right around Kill Devil Hills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My theory is that the devil went down to the Outer Banks. He was looking for a soul to steal. Mm. He was in a bind because he was way behind. And he yeah. was looking to make a deal. Um, That's exactly what happened. Yes. And the banker said, my name is Johnny and it may be a <laughs> sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret because I'm the best there's ever been. <laughs> Fire on the mountain, run, boy, run. 
Anyways. That was the exact conversation that they had, I guarantee you. Yes. Um, all right. <laughs> my next story. Um, and this one I've been wanting to do for a while because I think that we can include it in your up-and-coming novel about female cryptids. Uh-huh. That has not been written yet. Um, but it is the story of Virginia Dare, the white doe. Yeah. So, um, I, I left out a lot of details for this because we had wanted to do a full episode on the Lost Colony. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Life had other plans. But on August 27th, 1587, Governor John White left the newly established colony of Roanoke Island to get supplies back in England. The colony at the time consisted of 89 men, 17 women, and 11 children. White's daughter was one of the women and was pregnant with the first to be born on American soil, Virginia Dare. Um, that is quite the name for someone who shows up to a country where the people already existed. Yes, yeah, so there's a sign when you go like into Manio and it says like Virginia Dare, first English child born in the new world or something like that. Mm -hmm. So huge deal, even yeah. though there are babies being born every day it's here like already. The first girl to have her name written down on a piece of paper that she was born in a group of 80 people. Yeah. Anyways, still a fun story. Still a fun story. They got a state named after her or whatever. <laughs> it's fine. So, uh, and I even wrote down, I'll leave the full story to dedicate <laughs> to a dedicated episode, but most people know that the colony was never seen again and left behinds were the words Croatoan carved on one of the trees. For this particular story, it is understood that the colony was struggling so it integrated with the nearby native group. Time went on, because they changed locations, colonists never saw any more of their group and lived amongst the natives. Virginia Dare grew up, eventually entered the dating pool. Bounchigawawa. <laughs> the conflict of the story comes from her two suitors, and forgive me, because these are names that are not from my dialect, but the noble Okisko and the jealous Chico. Mm. You can tell from their names who Virginia preferred. So when Chico asked for her commitment and she said no, he decided to get revenge in the form of magic. Chico put together a spell to turn Virginia Dare into a deer. He was successful, but when she turned, she turned into a beautiful snow white doe. Spooky. Doe, a deer, a female deer. Um, I'm sure there were rays, drops of golden sun around her as well. I was trying to think of a North Carolina themed way to say that, but yes. Mm. Thank you for picking up what I was putting down. You're welcome. So all the tribes of the area saw the doe and were mystified. They can sense a sadness, but were captivated by the mystery and beauty. Okisko had noticed the doe had shown up at the same time as Virginia, disappeared, and sensed her presence when the doe was spotted and put two and two together. He consulted the local witch doctor, explained the situation, and was given an arrowhead that was made from a pearl oyster shell hmm. that was that he was told would undo the curse. I would love to see an arrowhead made out of an oyster shell. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome to see? We'll keep that in mind for the apocalypse. I've got... I have an entire bag full of arrowheads. I should probably get them looked at. Yeah. But none, no oyster shells. Hmm. That you know of. However... 
Since the doe was capturing everyone's attention, tribesmen had started attempting to hunt the doe for sport. Story goes that Okisko was able to find her at the same time as the other men, and while Okisko successfully shot Virginia with a non-fatal arrow, it was too late. Another man had shot the doe at the same time and killing Virginia as she was transforming back. So, Okisko successfully turned her back, but at the same time, someone was shooting an arrow and then killed the new human. It would be like if Fiona had turned into regular Fiona and then was murdered. I guess that person was not throwing away their shot. No. LOL. <laughs> Okisko carried her body back to camp and buried her. From that land came a grapevine whose grapes were sweeter than anyone had ever tasted, and the juice was red as blood. Is that the mother vine? Those grapes were named Scuppernog, and is how we have the type of muscadine wine. So yes, the answer is that's where the mother wine came from. The mother vine? Mother vine. Yeah, so there's, there's a vine out in the Outer Banks in somebody's front yard um, that has supposedly been there... Since Virginia Dare was shot Virginia Dare was with shot. two arrows. Yeah, and they still make wine from this at Scuppernog. Uh, we were going to go to the store that had the wine so that we could buy some, but they closed earlier than they said they would. Yeah. Which is, is fine. Whatever. But guess we'll have to go back. Yeah, gosh, I guess we'll have to go back. Um, but yeah, Scuppernogs. Have you, have you ever had a Scuppernog? I don't think so. Well, they're very sweet. Mm -hmm. My grandparents had a vine in their yard, and we'd hmm. go eat them. Very sweet. Um, got a got a little kick to them. Yeah, it's the juice is red as blood. No, Colonizer these, blood. These, these are green scuffer dogs. Oh, never mind. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that's the story of Virginia Dare, the White Dome. That was another t-shirt. That was another t-shirt. We should have just gotten them all. They were like $20 each, though, I and I wasn't feeling like dropping a hundo on yeah, it. Yeah, it's okay. They have an online store. I was just looking at it. Oh, nice. All right. So this one is my favorite of the five. It's called The Flaming Ship of Ocracoke. Ooh. Ooh. So it is said that on the night of the new moon each September... A strange and ghastly sight can be seen off the Ocracoke Island. There in the waters off the Outer Banks, each year on that one night, a phantom ghost ship engulfed in flames floats silently by the island and disappears into the night. I have a theory. Mm -hmm. How this came to be takes us back to the early days of North Carolina Colony, to the days of settlers, pirates, and the reign of Queen Anne. What's your theory? No, let me tell it first. And tell it first, tell. and then I'll tell you my theory. Because I know exactly what your theory is. Yeah. I braced you for this yeah. weeks ago. Did you? Yeah, I, told I you. forgot. <laughs> so, in the late 17th and early 18th centuries, the religious wars that ravaged Europe caused mass migrations of people displaced by the conflicts. Those people are refugees, and amongst them were the some of the first colonists of America. They were strategically sent to America since a lot of the men were tradesmen and were seen as competition for local workers wherever they were intended to be sent. 
which I thought was funny. So it's like a brick makers. Sounds so go to America. Sounds like what they're doing right now. Well, it gets worse. So a Swiss Baron, a Christoph von Grafneried, um, offered a solution to the crown. He and his fleet would be a shuttle for the German refugees, referred to as Palatines, because they were from they were from that area in Germany. However, Christoph was a greedy man. He and his crew came up with a plan to kill his, the refugees and steal their life savings and belongings, stash their tre treasures, and then ask the crown for another ship to keep performing their duties. You keep saying Palatine, and all I can think of is somehow Palpatine returned. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He ruins the punchline of this story. <laughs> Damn it. So, the early September night, the crew slipped into the quarters of the, Pal <laughs> quarters of the Palatines and slit their throats in their sleep. Then they gathered all their belongings in their longboat and set the main ship ablaze. So it was Order 66, is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. As they rowed away from the flaming ship, they expected to see it start to crumble and sink, but they did not. Instead, the ship kept sailing, and the men and women were seen walking about the flaming ship's deck. The ship caught wind and changed direction, turning full speed at the longboat. The captain and crew panicked and abandoned their ship right before it rammed by, was rammed by the flaming boat. They lost all their treasure, they lost their ship, and well, only a few made it to the shore to tell the tale. Yes, sometime, somehow, the Palatines <laughs> has returned. <laughs> And that's the only explanation we get. <laughs> Each year, this strange spectacle is reenacted off the coast of Ocracoke. What? If you look into the waters off the north oh. northeast corner of the islands on that night in September, you might see it too. Was that night when we were there? Yeah, because we were there the first full moon of I September. I thought you said it was a new moon. Um, isn't that what a new moon is? A new moon is when you can't see the moon. Oh, Okay. I'm 100% positive. I believe you. But we were there on the first full moon, mm -hmm. and what did it look like? That full moon was spooky as hell. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. So the that night on our vacation, the first full moon of September, we were taking a ghost tour in Manio. And it had turned dark, and they brought us out into, like, this um, floating gazebo in the sound. Yeah. And we could see out... And to the ocean through the sounds, right? Kind of? Um, not really, but we could see the moon rising. Rising over, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was orange. It was. It was orange. It was orange. So it, orange reflection on the water. And for someone, you know, who is out there in a spooky... And mm -hmm. it was a little cloudy, so it was kind of broken up orange. That's true. So I, I could absolutely see myself... With, you know, a little ch child on my hip or my lap. And they're like, Grandpa, why is the moon like like that? They're, he's like, hey, that's no moon. That's a ghost That's ship. actually the ghost ship of Ocracoke. And it's on fire. Um, fire! But luckily, we live in a world that um, people would not take advantage of refugees looking for a better life. And I thought yeah, about that, that joke. That would never happen. When I was writing this was actually around the time that it was literally happening on the news with uh, Florida Martha's and those Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. And I was like, man, times don't get me started. Don't change. Um, 
So the flaming ship. Isn't that fun? That was fun. That was not what my theory was. What I was your theory? That that was uh, Blackbeard's ship. Oh, no. Not this time. I do think that this would make it like a fun... Like, if it was part of the extended universe that we are creating, you know, in our heads. Yes. I think this would be a fun feature if Blackbeard had his own movie. Like, a, a ghost yeah, of... Yeah, that would be pretty cool. All these, like, on-fire zombies, you know, chasing the Queen Anne's revenge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got one more for you. Excellent. It's I can't co- wait. And this one is special. It is the story of the Black Pelican. We ate there. Yeah. So... The Kitty Hawk life-saving station was constructed in 1874 as one of seven facilities along the North Carolina coast intended to assist boat crashes along the coast. As you can imagine, the people who worked at these stations had a high level of camaraderie and considered a local bird amongst their ranks. When the station first opened in Kitty Hawk, the workers at the station took note of a black pelican who would appear right before large storms as an omen, and would guide the crews to the ships into the storms to find distressed vessels. Hmm. Sounds like the gray man. Yeah, like a, an omen before the storm, absolutely. Yeah. But in this case, it's like a like a fun little animal sidekick. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what's that, Lassie? There's a, there's a ship that's sinking in the coast? Follow that bird. The black pelican became somewhat of a mascot, kinds of like Dalmatians for firehouses. W.D. Tate, the station's original keeper, kept a journal of the bird's role as a fearless watchdog of the open seas. Records of survivors' encounters with the pelican reveal the shift relief efforts of the graceful black-winged figure protectively sailing overhead until help arrived. On December 3rd, 1927, the Greek tank steamer, which was called the Kizikes, was in need of immediate aid as the vessel fought a losing battle against the fury of the Northeast Storm. Several of the 28 crewmen aboard the sinking ship credit the Black Pelican for saving their lives. Diaries kept by the survivors following their ordeal describe in detail the Black Pelican's total disregard for its own safety and well-being as it fearlessly skimmed the surface of the stormy waters. Gallantly swirling within arm's reach of the stranded passengers, the bird remained until the rescuers had arrived. This station no longer operates and is closed. Uh, When it did, sightings of the black pelicans stopped. As years passed, entire species of pelicans were rapidly decreasing. The bird became endangered, fallen prey to ocean pollution, environmental poisoning, and shoreline commercialization. Today, however... The pelican population is again stabilizing as a result of protective measures by conservationists and government-funded restabilization projects. Hell yeah. News of modern sightings of the black pelican once again circulated the island. Um, Now, like the Polly's Polly's Island Gray Man, they once again see omens of bad storms approaching by their friend, the black pelican. Ancient legends of this faithful bird extends back to the Middle Ages when the pelican was regarded as a symbol of love, charity, and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is the story of the black pelican. There is a restaurant named the black pelican that we went to. We did. Um, and both of us were in a mood where we only wanted to eat because the story was written on the back of the menu and we didn't even read it <laughs> <laughs> after driving there. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so we were both in a mood. So. <laughs> it was very good restaurant, though. It was a very great very, restaurant. Very um, nice ambiance. They have, like, when you go in, they have a little gift shop. And then right after that, they have a display of cakes. Mm-hmm. They would steal. Uh, what, <laughs> what was your answer? I don't remember. Oh, it was the overhead light fixture. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. There was, like, those kind that you'd see it, like, Pizza Hut back in the nineties <laughs> with the stained glass. I love those. <laughs> Mine was a miniature ship that was on a <laughs> on a mantle. All right, so this is all you know. All these stories kind of somewhat relate to our trip mm-hmm. um, and the Outer Banks. And beforehand, we had asked for recommendations. We did take a lot of those recommendations, but in front of me, I have a list of every single thing that we did on vacation. Yeah, there were. I was very limited in what we could do because I was struggling. Yeah, <laughs> you're hanging in there though. All right, so our vacation first thing that we did, Parker's Barbecue. It was on the yes. drive down. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the standard barbecue plate. We did very good. It was great. Parker's is um, something that I always grew up with. In Wilson. In Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, as we were driving there or in that area, we also saw signs for Fremont. Which just happens to coincide with our episode about the thirsty skull we did. that flies around. So I just thought that was a fun connection. Yeah. And also, we saw signs for that were pro-pesticides. Yeah. Which I had never seen before. Um, and I just thought it was very odd. Yeah. But we I also get it. saw a man emerge from like a field of oh, yeah. corn. <laughs> Just, just holding a machete. Just carrying a machete. He just came out of nowhere, just yeah. carrying a machete, walking towards the road. And this was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, very bizarre. All right, so um, the first big thing that we did on our trip was the Wrights Brothers Museum. The, memo- the memorial. Memorial. National, museum. National Memorial. Yes, which was great. And, and they've got a visitor center. That was the museum part. Yeah, um, where they had like a replica of the glider. Mm-hmm. They had some of the um, old structures that were there. They had rocks down and the, the distance that the flights had taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I had learned that I didn't know before is that the first time we went to space, or the first time we landed on the moon, there was a piece of the glider on that um, yeah. craft. Mm-hmm. And now, the not the Curiosity, but the other rover that's on Mars right now, also has a piece of the glider on it as well. Yeah, and one of the uh, Wright brothers said that, like, we wouldn't get to space for another 100 years. It's it's six, and, 60 and years between 60 years. The, the Wright brothers gliding flight, the glider, 60 years later, we went to the moon. We, we went to the moon. Absolutely unhinged behavior. <laughs> <laughs> This one, that is one way to look at it. Just um, crazy. Yeah. And so now they, 60 years later. Um, we're trying to go to Mars. We're privatizing NASA. Right. Um, God. Anyways, then we went to Jockey's Ridge. We did. Which is a living sand dune. The largest it, living sand dune on the East Coast. And it is vengeful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I had to just sit down <laughs> while yeah. Jason kept walking up to the top because my heart rate was getting up to like 140 and i was just about to die yeah walking through dunes uh, it was not an easy feat but it's um, okay i tried my hardest 
and it was great. <laughs> so Jockey's Rich. Then we went to the Black Pelican restaurant. We did. That we knew. It was on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Mm-hmm. Um, we also went to a brew through. We did. <laughs> which is a drive through gas station convenience store. Um, I didn't know what to get. There's <laughs> too many options. Um, so I ended up getting like some you type got, of cider. You got Bold Rock watermelon. Yeah. Um, I'm not drinking a lot of beer lately, I say, as I have a passion fruit goza from Noda Brewing in front of me. Can I smell it? Yeah. Um, well, I got one more week. The brew through is great and every town should have one. Um, after that, we also went to Lost Colony Tavern. We got those shirts that we told you all about. That was the next day. That was the next day. Yeah. This is just a list of the main oh, things. Okay. Um, we went on the ghost tour in Manio. We did. Our um, tour guide was awesome. She's a very good storyteller. Yes. It is one of those tours where it's like, here's the history of stuff. I've heard that something happened at this mm-hmm. place. And that's the ghost story. Should I tell my heart attack story? Yes. Tell it, please. <laughs> so we're sitting there and she's telling us a story. I think it had to do with that replica ship that was behind us or something like that. And all of a sudden, we all hear this, like, something barreling towards us. And without even knowing what it was. The, also, the, the sun had just gone the down, The sun too, had just so. gone down, so it was dark. And all we hear is just this loud noise barreling towards us. And my first instinct was, oh, my God, it's a cryptid. The it's happening. Blade and Barrow. It's, I was like, it's happening. It's a cryptid. And then I thought, oh my God, we're all about to get murdered. And then I looked over and it was a dog. Yeah. The dog <laughs> was playing fetch with its owner. Um, but two, two very rational thoughts. That's a, in less than a second. <laughs> that's an operational hazard for us with when we're always talking about cryptids and ghosts. The second anything happens is our first train of thought is, oh my God, it's a cryptid. <laughs> Yes, it hasn't been seen for 80 years, like, but now it's in Manio on a like, ghost tour with it's us. It's finally happening. <laughs> and all of this happened within less than a second of me hearing the noise and looking over and seeing this dog. It was a big dog, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Jan. It was a big black dog. Big black dog. All right. After that, um, biscuits and porn. We did go to biscuits and porn, and that was great. How would you describe biscuits and porn for someone who doesn't know what it is? Um, it is a very unique gas station where you can pump your gas, get a biscuit, and like, and it's not just biscuits; it's like breakfast foods. Yeah, you can get a biscuit, and you can also, you know, get some some nudie mags if you feel like it. Yeah, it's like a, a regular old gas station, but like a North Carolina gas station where they also serve food. Yeah, um, I mean, they've got like your regular gas station. Convenience store stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but like it's a very popular place, as you can imagine, for somewhere called Biscuits and Porn. So you go in and... Lines out the door. The lines out <laughs> the door. It wraps around the entire perimeter of the inside. And like right when you enter the door, you are you go to the right to stay in the line. And there's just like a rack of beauty <laughs> magazines. <laughs> Um, yeah, on the right. And then beside it is just merch merchandise, biscuits and yeah. porn. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's 95% biscuits, 5% porn. Yeah. Um, 100% fun. After that from the bodies that wash ashore from the graveyard of the Atlantic. Um, but really? no, oh. that's like, 
that's like what um and then Hatteras was closed for um not renovations but like season I don't know no yeah R.I.P. it must have just happened she was trauma dumping but it's okay you, you we've know, all been there ha- that's what happens when you have a friendly face for me I always made the connection of North Carolina coastal vacations and um putt putt places because we used to do that in Atlantic Beach all the time Moorhead City um there is a whole there's a quite a few to choose from up and down that main road mm-hmm. um that we were going up and down on but one caught my eye it had this decrepit looking green t-rex <laughs> on top of a mountain um and yeah we <laughs> and then all of all of like the well, not styrofoam but it's the word i'm looking for fiberglass yeah. um creatures that they created to make this a dinosaur theme parked were just like so worn down. They were. They it, were struggling. It was it was so much fun. The course was pretty pretty terrible for putt putt. It, no, it was a was lot wonderful. of straight lines. <laughs> they were. <laughs> um it was me, you, and a family was on the other side. Yeah. And like that was it. Yeah. I went up to the main place, so I was like two, and he's like fifteen dollars and I slid him the money. He gave me the course and then he closed his window. Yeah. That's, <laughs> he just had his AirPods on the whole time, like Yeah. Did not care. Did not care in the world. Power to him. That's okay. It was all about the ambiance. It really was. I made a fun TikTok while we were there. We did. Um, And the ice cream place right next to it is very good. That was the next on my list. We went to Coastal Creamery. We went there twice. We did go there twice. I liked it so much. Mom mom and Pop Shop. Mm -hmm. Ice cream was delicious. Um, Got a beautiful view of the sunset on the second day. We did. our second time that we went. I was just glad to be able to eat regular ice cream. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least. The beach. Oh, well, the beach was great. <laughs> um, was that rest stop that we went to on the way home that was <laughs> themed after black bears. Um, and had pamphlets about, like, black yeah, bear the safety. the largest and... <laughs> black bears in in the world or whatever were at that rest stop. At that rest stop. <laughs> <laughs> And that was our Outer Banks vacation. That was, in, um, that was in like the Washington area. Yeah. I just thought it was so funny. Yeah. The beach was very nice. Um, I almost got swept out to sea. Oh, yeah. There was um, rip currents the entire time we yeah. were there. All there's... the flags were up saying, no, don't swim. Which I wasn't doing. Neither of us were. You couldn't go past your knees without literally being like dragged yeah. out there. And I was like. I would say I was like shin deep and I got hit with a wave and I just got knocked over and, you know, I'm a beached whale at this point. So I just kept going. <laughs> why Why were you out that far? I'm, no particular reason at no all. No particular reason. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. <laughs> um. Yeah, there was a hurricane <laughs> off the coast. And when they say don't swim because there's a rip current, they mean it. They mean it. And also, you'll get fined, apparently, on the Outer Banks. Yeah. They weren't messing around. They were patrolling. Yeah. It was nice to see, though, because sometimes they don't do that. Yeah. At other beaches. Reassuring. Oh, right. Couldn't believe that we've done 5,000 episodes. We have. Man. And we've gotten... Um, It's been a hoop. I'm looking at our anchor account now to see what our um, top episodes were. Because um, thanks for all the memories. It's been fun doing this. Mm-hmm. Top 10 episodes. Number one, which is surprising, 
the Tar Heel State. It was our first episode. Yeah. We talk about why we're the Tar Heels. And that was a very low-quality episode. Yeah. No wonder. It was 336 people listened to it, and then none of them, el- none of the other ones got that high. So they yeah. listened, and they were like, oh, that's enough of that. Right. <laughs> Number two, and also my mom's favorite episode, it's oh. You Know You're From North Carolina When. <laughs> okay. Um, number three, Wampus Cat. Of course. Um, and then 20 Haunted Places in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Then Blackbeard. Of course. General Davidson and the Battle of Cowan's Ford. The Hermit of Bald, I- or Bald Mountain, mm. which is surprising. That is Velma surprising. Velma Barfield. Shh. Death Row Granny. Death Row Granny. Um, Brown Mountain Lights. And then the History of Lake Norman. That's a solid top ten list. Yeah. You never know. Um which ones are going to be popular? Is the cup around here with the... I threw them away. I was going to say, we can tell people what we are planning on I was on, on a doing. rampage the other day, cleaning. Um, Obviously, I didn't get very far, but... And then also, there was a while back where I was planning on making an episode um, called You May Be Married to Someone from North Carolina If... <laughs> so I was creating a list, and there's only four of them. It's okay, go for it. And I'll tell you what they are now. So you may be married to someone from North Carolina if you get nervous, you're going to accidentally say Raleigh-Durham instead of separating them like they should be. Where were we at some point within the last few weeks that somebody was like, well, you just put them together. Was that Beck and Jay's wedding? Probably. And there's that couple in front of us. I think they were talking about it, and I was just trying to bite my tongue. Mm. They're yeah. two separate places. I, I don't know. care what you say. <laughs> All right. You may be married to someone from North Carolina if you can't make plans without checking the Carolina schedule first. <laughs> yes, because football or basketball. Because <laughs> when we got married, and I said I, we picked March twenty eighth, my mom said that's the weekend of the Final Four. <laughs> yeah. And she told me in the beginning that we were not allowed to get married the weekend of the Carolina Duke game. We couldn't even plan your bachelor, uh, not your bachelorette, your um, baby shower. Yeah, um, because of that because of football. <laughs> um, number three, and this may just be specific to you and your family, but you may you will be asked to stay in your seat or move depending on how the team is doing. Yeah, it's, you can't mess with the juju. It's not just me. <laughs> it's not just you. Um, you may be married to North Carolina, it, or maybe married <laughs> to someone from North Carolina if you get made fun of if you mispronounce Appalachia. Uh huh. Um, and. I see on TikTok all the time now people talking about Appalachia. And I'm like, Ugh. I just want to stab those people. Oh, relax. All right. And then number five, you may be married to someone from North Carolina if you talk about genealogy once a day. Uh-huh. We've already done it today. Probably. Yeah. No, we have already done it today. Oh. I'm telling you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, paused my ancestry membership yesterday because I realized I was still paying for it. Oh. Um, there are many more, and if you have more, feel free to send them to us because yeah. we love to hear them. We are not gone forever. We are just not making any more episodes. Yeah. Follow the Spooky CLT on Instagram um, for fun. And then also follow <laughs> the Old North State Pod on Instagram to keep up with us because we'll, yeah. we'll post our vacation pictures and stuff. We'll post stuff. We'll, we'll still be active. We just won't be making episodes. Exactly. We still like interacting with people. Yeah. And um, who knows? A uh, 
a book may come out of all of this. We'll Maybe. see. We've tinkered with the idea. We've tinkered. I want to make a spooky CLT for one first. We have we have stories to tell. We do. Um. Yeah, th- that's it. I don't want to yes. drag this out too long. It was been a great ride. Mm-hmm. Stay in touch. Thank you all for listening. Um, it's it's been great. We appreciate everybody's support. Yeah, it's been nice. It has been nice. All right. All right. See you next. Not see it. <laughs> see you next time. See you never. <laughs> Losers. Just kidding. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. <laughs> Sources for today's episode can be found on our website at anchor.fm slash old north state pod. If you want to send us a topic suggestion, a funny story, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at old north state pod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at old north state pod. Cheers, y'all.